Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, flying the ship solo as we turn the page on February and head into March. And this month is the March of Minisodes. Uh, one of the one of our holdovers uh, from last year and uh, one of Chemalewski's first picks. Actually, was it his first pick, possibly? Um, doesn't really matter. But uh, when, we, when we did our theme draft, this was a high draft pick for Chema. Uh, and this is definitely one of the one of the episode formats. I think, regardless of what we do going forward, this is one of the episode formats that we're going to keep around because it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, so this week um, we're going to have three episodes this week: Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, they should be all about twenty minutes or so in length, and then we'll I'll come back the next week and do the exact same thing again. So for the first episode this week, I'm going to dive into the new rules in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of comparison and contrast to uh, some of the other leagues, but very specifically, we're going to hone in on the ML, the new rules for the upcoming MLB season. Calling this episode uh, "New MLB Rules" or "How I Learned to Stop Bitching and Love Progress." So you've probably heard it by now. The MLB has ushered in some new rule changes. Um, some of them we're going to go through. We're not going to go through like in a ton of detail, uh, just because they're not like that. They're not. They're not like that important, and they're not really the, the ones that are the most controversial in this case. So let's start off with, uh, let's actually start off with those. Uh, you know what, take that back. Let's go through, I'll give you a whole list of all the rules um, and what they, what they, the idea behind them, and then like kind of why they're controversial, and we'll finish off with the most controversial. All right, so let's start off with one of the, um, one of the ones that wasn't necessarily made for a competitive reason, but should have some competitive impacts, and that's uh, changing the size of the bases themselves. Uh, the bases used to be 15 by 15, I believe, and now they're 18 by 18, so an extra three inches uh, per per base. Um, this is mostly for safety reasons. Gives uh, players a little bit more room to maneuver on the bases, especially at first base, where you kind of um, not that it happens that often, but every now and then you get some collisions and stuff. And it doesn't seem like it's it's a lot. Uh, that I know that extra three inches is a lot, but it is enough to essentially get someone, you know, your first baseman's foot. A little bit more out of the way for uh, you know, and it gives the the base runner a little bit more landing area, uh, so they're not going to get you're not going to get tangled up with a first baseman potentially. But there are some thoughts that you know you're gonna. It doesn't see, again. It doesn't seem like a lot of um, it doesn't seem like a lot of real estate, but there is some thought that with the bases being uh, just a little bit bigger, that makes the distance between the bases a little bit closer. That given um, given the given that little extra bit there that uh, the runners will have, or I guess the little extra bit that the runners will not have to cover that they're on some of the closer plays on steal attempts and things like that and um, hit and runs and stuff like that um, that you might actually it actually will encourage a little bit more action on the base paths uh, there's also some thought that um, because they're a little bit bigger uh, some of the over sliding we see that a lot now the the way that replay gets used uh, especially you know every defender but obviously especially the shortstop and second baseman are kind of taught to hold tags on the runners for as long as possible in case they overslide the base. If you make the base a little bit bigger, there's a little bit less chance of oversliding. So while the the size of the bases is being changed mostly just for safety issues, um, there probably will be some unintentional uh, base stealing benefits to it as well. Uh, speaking of base stealing, they're also changing the pickoffs. Um, how many times have you seen a pitcher... Um, and the same at bat throw over time and time and time again to uh, to try to pick off a runner. Uh, this is this is definitely for 
the overarching goal, which we'll talk about here, we'll talk about a little bit more detail at the end here, but the overarching goal of, of increasing the pace of play. Um, so now you can only disengage from the mound a couple of times to throw a pickoff. And, you know, if you're, if, from then on, if you, if you do, <clears throat> excuse me, if you do um, step off the mound and you don't get a runner out, it's an automatic balk. So I suppose there's, I think you get two disengagements, and then the third one, you, you something has to happen, or it's a balk for the pitcher. So I said, in theory, you could throw over a third time, but if you don't get anyone out, um, automatic balk, runners advance. And this is, again, to, this is one of the ones that is um, in, aimed at increasing the pace of play. Um, you know, you're going you're gonna to keep the pitchers from throwing over too much, and you're also going to encourage the, and something else that they're working on too, it's pace of play and also the amount of action happening in a game. Um, you know, there's a lot of, strikeouts and walks and home runs which means there's kind of like a lot of in today's game there's a lot of stuff that um, I guess you would call it inaction right like a strikeout and a walk nothing happens a home run you know nothing no one else is involved in the play so one of the things that they they're hoping that when guys do get on base there's a little bit more of an incentive to try a steal because the pitcher can't the pitcher can't um, can't throw over to keep the, the runners close as many times as they used to uh, so it, you know, so it's um, to keep up the pace of play, but also make sure that there's a there's also to see if there's, I should say, encourage a little bit more action. Um, <clears throat> now, one of the bigger, you know, I think those are the two sort of, I don't want to call them minor whatsoever, but I think those are the two, um, the, well, the ones that will have the the smallest impact. Uh, but in terms of much bigger impacts, now one of the, one of the big ones that's. You probably, if you were to poll major league fans, they're probably it's probably a pretty close split, a pretty close to 50-50 split. Um, they are banning defensive shifts. Uh, we used to see in the past decade, it's really picked up in terms of popularity with every single team. It used to be kind of a, a novelty that like the the Rays and the the Oakland Athletics used to um, used to pull out, you know, used to pull that rabbit out of their hat, if you will, um, mostly for their like you know trying to get a competitive advantage. Um, you know they. The teams at the lower rungs of the um, of the pay you know the payroll scale will do you know and obviously this is just smart baseball doing everything you can to win, um, but it, you know what was once a, kind of a novelty now everyone does it, and because everyone does it it really has sapped the action out of play, um, you know what was for a hundred years what was once a hit you know hard ground ball up the middle. Or a line drive into right or left field. Uh, now there's someone standing there, and I, I am I am more in favor of banning defensive shifts, and I'll get into the those reasons why. Um, but it is sort of this was sort of the end result of analytics when you can very effectively just determine where someone is going to hit the ball. It's a lot easier just to place someone in that area. Um, you know, you might be giving up one side of the field or another, but you know the 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 statistics, the analytics, the information says that generally speaking, when someone hits the ball hard, they hit it in this direction, and that's where you put the guys. And for most players, um, they are pull hitters. Even even the even the hitters who are really good at spraying the ball, you um, know, more evenly distributed manner on the field, even those guys are getting shifted on now. The guys like a, a Michael Brantley, for example, who. Uh, who played it here in Cleveland, but uh, more recently has been with Houston the last several seasons, and one of the one of the better one of the better contact hitters and one of the better whole field hitters in baseball. Once upon a time, you would never you would never shift on him, but even he gets shifted on. 
um, even though the even though the even though the data doesn't um, even though the data doesn't have him as um, quite as far into the, you know uh, he isn't quite as a dramatic pull hitter as others, but he still pulls the ball more often for his base hits. So even the even the very good um, more evenly balanced hitters are getting shifted on, and it's you know that shift is very effective. It works quite well. Um, but again, it's one of those things that has taken action out of the game and kind of made it so that, you know, there's, there's not a lot happening in the course of a three hour game. Now, everyone, like I said, I think this is a 50, 50 split in terms of people who are in favor of it and people who are against it. And the people who are in favor of it kind of like, I'm one of the, I'm one of those people who is in favor of it, um, because of that idea that like, you know, like you, this idea that um, you can just hit the ball the other direction. If it was that easy to just hit the ball in the other direction, they would. Um, even great hitters like Michael Brantley, if it was that, I should say great contact hitters like Michael Brantley, if it was that easy to just hit the ball the other way, they would. Um, the and I understand everyone's like, well, they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. It's still really, really fucking hard. Here's Here's the, like, this is why. Pitching has such a massive advantage over hitting in baseball at all times. It does not matter um, the best pitcher. If a, if a great pitcher is on, take, take that back. If an okay pitcher, your run-of-the-mill fifth starter on a on a very mediocre team, right? Like, I, I, I don't want to like name names as people who I think are mediocre, but you know those pitchers that are out there. They Every year they seem to go 12 and 11 with a... 436 ERA. They're they are serviceable. There's nothing spe- spectacular about them. However, when those pitchers are on, you could have the 1927 Yankees lineup. You could have the, the Bash Brothers. You could have the St. Louis Cardinals lineups with McGuire and Edmonds and um, and Pujols. And you could have those lineups. Take all those teams. Take the best players. Put them together. If a mediocre pitcher is absolutely on and hitting the spots. None of those guys will get hits. It does not matter. You can have a team full of Barry Bonds, and if that mediocre pitcher is just feeling it and is on, they might get one or two hits, and they won't be loud hits. That's just how baseball works. Pitching is pitching has such a massive advantage. That's why guys who you hear the joke about, um, you know, about uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Famers, it's you know the Hall of Fame is is filled with guys who failed seven out of ten times in their career on average. You know, three hundred hitter. The only three times out of ten are they actually successful. Um, that's why. That's why uh, you know the one that's three hundred hitters are, are rare anymore. But um, that's why it's it's so difficult. It's so difficult to hit in baseball because pitching is such a massive upper hand. And that's why it's. I, I do feel it's a little bit unfair just to kind of ca- casually go. We'll just hit it the other way. Okay, guy. Uh, you take an eighty-nine mile an hour slider coming in at your fingertips, and you hit it the other way. So. I'm in favor of, of banning the defensive shifts for that reason, but also, I'm you know I'm I'm uh, again I'm, I'm based in Cleveland and I got to watch uh, Omar Vizquel and Robbie Alomar for several seasons play for uh, play for the then Indians and it was like watching two magicians at work. Uh, it, like a, a ball got up balls that you know were hit to up the middle or you know to the you know to their immediate left or right that looked like hits were oftentimes just taken away from them, and I think that. I think that you this season you're going to see exactly how good some of these defenders are now that they basically you know now that they're going to have more they're going to have more uh, ground to cover. You're going to see exactly how good these defenders are and really in the last like decade or so 
we haven't had a chance to see just how good the, especially the middle infield defenses are. Um, because, you know, again, you had, you know, you had, you'll have like a second, you might have the world's best second baseman or the world's best shortstop, but there was someone playing behind them or playing, you know, directly next to them or, or covering a spot that would normally be, normally be their responsibility, but still kind of a difficult area to get to. Well, someone was there. So they really didn't have to showcase their range and athleticism. It, it just, to me, like I'm, again, thinking about uh, the way Vizquel and Alomar patrolled the middle of the uh, of the Indians' um, defense. It would almost be a crime to have their range artificially shut down because we smashed a bunch of them to one side of the field or the other. So I think that you're going to see, you're really going to see just how athletic some of these guys are. But also probably there's going to be some teams that are going to be exposed for not having tremendous athletes um at the at, at critical positions where you really want someone who can move around and uh and get to the ball very easily all right now the biggest change obviously is the pitch clock and the i guess you call it the batter and pitcher clock whatever you want however you want to look at it um but obviously it's mostly on the this is mostly on the pitcher's shoulders to kind of control and and be aware of but um so now there will be a clock that times the pitcher uh they have 15 seconds with the bases empty to uh, to begin their motion uh, to you know, throw a pitch, or 20 seconds with runners on. Uh, batters batters are kind of on the same clock, if you will, and if a batter is not in the box, kind of ready to go, uh, by the time we get down to the 8-second mark, they'll be assessed a strike. And obviously this is the, this is the biggest change uh, to come, the, the biggest change and the, most, uh, the one that's going to have the most noticeable and immediate effect. In fact, we've already seen some... Interesting stuff in the first couple of weeks of spring training. We had a we had a strikeout that took 27 seconds or something like that, which is pretty awesome. But we've had a lot of players get uh, assessed a strike. Uh, we've had a lot of pitchers already get assessed a ball. Uh, you know, before like essentially before the bat has even started, um, it's happened. But I, I think that I think one we're we're just there's a little bit a little bit too a little bit too much is being made of this. Because there already was a rule in place about how long pitchers have in between pitches. It was just never enforced. So you could almost see this as an enforcement of that old rule. And, and you know, an enforcement of the old rule and now a visual stimuli to like, hey, you know, we're enforcing the rule. Go look to your left. There's, you know, there's the clock that you should be looking at for when you're supposed to be getting ready. And, again, this is the idea behind this is to increase the pace of play. Um there are I, I I recall recently in in Guardians slash Indians history, um, some pitchers who well run, one right now that is that it has to has to adjust big time, uh, James Karinchak, who, man he takes the ball tosses the ball touches his hair touches his belt tosses the ball looks in touches his hair, I mean it takes him he is he is a rain delay on the mound he is a human rain delay on the mound. Um, uh, years ago, the the then Indians had a had a pitcher. I want to say it was Raphael Betancourt. Um, Raphael was in no hurry whatsoever to throw a baseball. It was it was a long time in between pitches, and it doesn't seem like it's that long, right? But it, it's almost always. First off, this is almost always the relievers that slow down the game, um, and so you know once once the starters are out of the game and. You know that more frequently is like the you know the fifth or sixth inning or sixth or seventh inning for sure. Um, once they come into the game, the game just kind of comes to a standstill. Um, you have guys who are very adept at striking out batters, um, so you have strikeouts. Guys that are taking a long time in between, so it's a lot. Not a lot is happening once relievers come into the game, 
And it's, I think the, I, I know that the, there's also an aim to get the games a little bit shorter um, with some of these timing rules and stuff. But, and, that, and that's more on the business side of baseball to make the, to make the product a little bit more TV friendly. But realistically speaking, it's, I, as a fan, I don't really care if a game takes three and a half hours as long as something was happening in those three and a half hours. There are three and a half hour games where you have 20 total strikeouts and like, you know, eight, eight to 10 walks in between both teams. So you're talking, you know, potentially of the um, uh, 54, you know, potential outs, you might have 20 outs where nothing happens and an additional 10 batters phase to get walked where nothing happens. Um, that's just a lot of nothing happening. And the idea is, okay, fine, maybe there's still going to be walks and there's still going to be strikeouts. Maybe we can get through this a little bit quicker. And I think all of this is for the betterment of the game. It, there's, I find that the, I find the um, objections to some of these rules kind of funny, especially from uh, quote-unquote baseball purists, because the idea is to sort of get the game back to that, to get the game back to what it was like back in the 70s and 80s, where there was a little bit more hit-and-run action, where guys stole bases. Um, where there weren't a lot of, where there weren't a ton of strikeouts, or, or you know, nor were there a ton of walks, the game was much more fluid and faster in terms of, in terms of the action on the field, and it is, you know, the launch angle, the analytics, it's one of these, the way, the where the game is now was just sort of this inevitable march towards a singular point, where we were looking for, I don't, I don't want to call it perfection, but maybe like where best possible outcome has outweighed. Um, has outweighed any sort of creative, creative is not the best way, but, um, you know, essentially every team is going to the same idea, right? That like launch angle, lifting the ball, getting walks, um, not stealing bases, uh, basically inaction is better than action, right? Waiting for the three run home run is better than trying to, you know, steal bases and do hit and runs, things that might cost, things that are a little bit more risky, essentially, um, that's where that's where analytics and that's where sort of the obsession over lifting the ball has kind of taken the sport. And it's just like the inevitability of like where this goes for everybody. Um, so I, I am really pleased that we are we're putting in some rules in a place that are sort of quite frankly, as a Guardians fan, it's almost like they saw the Guardians play last year and they were like, we're gonna make everyone do that. <laughs> we're we're gonna make everyone hit the ball all over the place. Uh, we're going to make sure no one strikes, you know, don't strike out. Um, don't walk, don't walk a ton, put the ball in play. Um, and it can be done. You can win like that. The, the 2014 and 2015 Kansas city Royals went to back-to-back world series, won one of those world series and, uh, came pretty darn close to winning, a, winning another one. Um, simply by pitching well, playing great defense, putting the ball in play, not striking out. That's how they won their games. And it is possible, and that's how, for a long time, that's how teams won games. And it is possible, I think, to get back to that. Now there are just rules in place to sort of, um, to sort of reward teams who do play like that, who do play a little bit more action baseball. And I think, um, I think uh, we're not going to notice, like, it's been a big deal, especially the pitch clock has been a big deal in spring training um, for kind of the abruptness of it. But that's just sort of how, um, think about like when you're when you're training or learning something new. You kind of want you kind of want the you kind of want the um, the red flags to go up very noticeably, and that's kind of what we're doing. Uh, what Major League Baseball is doing with their you know with the umpires in spring training, they're being very 
very strict about it now. So, you know, if a batter's not in the box with exactly eight seconds and the, and the, and the umpire sees it right then, they're getting called, they're, a strike's getting called. If a pitcher isn't ready within 15 seconds, a ball's getting called. And they're being very harsh about it now so that, the, so that um, guys get used to it a little bit faster. Guys are more aware of it. You know, it's sort of getting drilled in their heads a little bit easier. Because I have a very, I'm, I will make this guarantee that come the regular season, while there are going to be balls and strikes called on batters and, and, uh, and, and, and the pitchers, we're not going to have a game end on one of these calls. That there's going to be some leeway for um, you know for a batter to get into the box and get ready. There's going to be some leeway for a pitcher to get ready um, if if potentially the game is on the line with a single ball or strike call. So I, I don't think that I think once the regular season hits, it's going to be a little bit more relaxed, and we're not really going to even notice it. Um, quite frankly, everyone's been talking about the um, everyone's been talking about the pitch clock, but I haven't seen that many people complaining about the lack of shifting. So to me, that already kind of signals that like once, once real baseball starts and these guys are, you know, used to, used to the new rule changes that no one will even notice. And by the time we get past, uh, you know, Memorial Day is like one of the first like kind of benchmarks for baseball. Um, Once we get to Memorial Day, I don't think we're going to see all of the speculative columns about, uh, about, you know, about the pitch clock, about what should or shouldn't happen with baseball, so on and so forth. I just think all of that's going to wash to the background, and we're not going to notice it at all. And I, I do think it's kind of funny. I do think it's kind of funny the sort of open backlash to what's you know what baseball is trying to do. Other leagues change their rules frequently. Um, football changes, you know, and sometimes they're football changes especially the NFL changes the rules very frequently and more often than not it's more like administrative and procedural rules like how often a team can practice together um you know how often a team can be full pads that kind of stuff but the NFL changes its rules frequently and some of them are very big i don't know if you remember there oh, let me backtrack some of them are very big and a lot of times they're really reactive to sometimes one or two situations is where some of the rule changes come from you know the overtime changes Came uh, a lot of the overtime changes in recent years came off of essentially one game that was very very noticeable. There was uh, you know you think about the Mahomes Josh Allen overtime game. Uh, you think about the um, the missed pass interference call in the Saints Rams game. Um, the uh, a lot of the the rules for a lot of the defensive rules for uh, for NFL teams come after uh you know certain high profile games are you know maybe they're scoreless or they they're just like not exciting or whatever the nfl is very reactive to the rules and how they change them um so you know one egregious call in an nfc championship game and now all of a sudden we can you know we can challenge uh pass interference calls and obviously the rule didn't really work exactly the way they wanted it to so they scrapped it but the nfl changes the rules very frequently the nhl has changed the rules basketball is forever um you know screwing around with some of the rules so to me it's not that big of a deal it just i think it's just because it's you know baseball has always been the one sport without any official timing on it and now we have now there is a literal timer that is going to be going off in front of everyone's faces and i think it's just a little bit jarring but again i think once we get into the heart of the season no one will notice this and everyone will have learned how to stop bitching and love progress. All right, we'll see you Wednesday.